Well, good morning, church family. Today, as we are celebrating Family Worship Sunday, just so happens to be Mercy's 16-month-old birthday, which, you know, we're still in the month kind of counting stages, so everything counts as a birthday. So I thought we would come out and greet you together today. So I want to add what, to what Brooke mentioned earlier. We love and prioritize the passing on of the gospel to the next generation. One of the beauties of the church is that we span all generations, and we want to be faithful in our day to pass on the baton. And so we do. We take these quarterly... Uh, yes. What do you see? I didn't know how this was going to go. We're about to see if she's going to share anything else. But... Uh, um, these, these Sundays to prioritize. Hey, of all ages, we gather together. And just to be clear, it's not just on these quarterly Sundays. For every Sunday, children are welcome in this worship gathering. All throughout God's Word, we see children and adults, all generations, worshiping together. So, especially kindergarten and up, no, we not only welcome, but encourage you to bring your children into worship with you. We think it's extremely valuable for kids over years to see their parents passionately worshiping God and sitting under God's word and taking notes and learning to do the same. And if they make some noises along the way, it's totally fine. Know that we are not gonna scowl at you if you make noises or, or if your kid or if you make noises or your kids. Uh, and especially those of you with children with special needs, just, just please know we love and prioritize all that you do coming to bringing your children to church. So we want you to know, and you know, people will say, well, there's so much that happens, especially like the sermon is over their heads. And well, that might be true. At the same time, is that all bad? Like kids, when they come out of the womb, they don't immediately speak the English language, it's over their head, but we still immerse them in it in hopes that what will happen? They'll actually learn the English language. So let's immerse kids in worship and God's word and trust it to bear fruit. Okay, we're about to get to the end of our tether here. So all that to say, we value your children and want to be a church family that shows that value week in and week out. So with that, I'm actually gonna hand off, can you say goodbye to Mercy? Hey, can you wave back to them? Can you wave? How about, how about can you give them, can you blow them a kiss? Blow them a kiss. Blow them a kiss. All right, go for it. She's usually pretty good at that, but that's all right. We don't have to on command, all right. I am going to invite some other kids to join me out here who are a little older, and they're going to help me out with something this morning, and you are going to be called on to help them out. So why don't you guys come stand right here, and I'll ask you all to introduce yourselves. All right, so tell us your name and how old you are. Uh, I'm Breck, and I just turned 12. Like just turned? How, how recently? Like two days ago. Happy birthday, Breck. All right, so Breck is 12 plays soccer, right? Goalie. And I heard is a wall that does not let the ball go past. All right, so this is Breck, and then this is? Madison. Madison, how old are you? Seven. Seven. And what do you like to do for fun? 
I don't know. Okay, that's great. It's good. Okay, and then? Shine. Shine. And how old are you, Shine? Seven. Seven also. Okay. What do you like to do for fun, Shine? Uh, I don't know. Okay, all right. We'll work on the fun part later. Okay, and then what's your name? Natanya. Natanya. How old are you? Five and a half. Natanya, is there anything that you like to do for fun? Play on the trampoline. Oh, I love it. Now, Natanya, is, who is that right there? Who's Madison? My sister. Okay, so you guys are sisters. Do you all, always get along? No. No? What do you think, Natanya? Do you all always get along? No. Okay. Well, there's nobody in here who has brothers or sisters who always gets along with their siblings. That's part of how God grows us. All right, so... What we're gonna do is I'm gonna put on the screen, and you guys can see it on the screen right in front of you, two $100 bills. Can we put that up there? Okay, maybe not. Okay, well you guys can see the $200 bills right here. Okay, imagine with, with me two $100 bills. Let me go ahead and, oh there it is, okay. Uh, let me go ahead and break the bad news. You're not walking away with a $100 bill today. So, I know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Madison. She kind of gave me a scowl. Okay, so one of these bills is fake or counterfeit. And one of these bills is real. And ignore where it says specimen on there. That actually has nothing to do with it. So, there's one on the top and one on the bottom. And so I'm going to zoom in. I've got numbers here, a one and a two, at the parts that are particularly different. And your job is to try to figure out which of these bills is real and which of these ones is fake. And I'm going to ask the audience to help you, okay? So let's zoom in for a minute on near the one. Okay, you're looking close. Okay, and then we'll look at the one on this one. Okay. And then let's zoom in on the two over there. Okay. And then the two right there. Okay. So one of these bills is real and one is fake. So is it the one on the top or the bottom? Okay, why don't you guys talk about it? Y'all talk about which one do you think it is? Talk about it to the people around you. Okay, so I'm looking for, I want the one that's the real thing, okay? Why don't we do this? Why don't we ask them out there, if you think the one on the top, so this will help you. If you think the one on the top is the real one, raise your hand. Okay, all right, put your hands down. If you think the one on the bottom is the real one, raise your hand. Okay, so a lot more people think the one on the top than the bottom. All right, what do you guys think? What, what, what are your thoughts? Bottom. You think the one on the bottom? What do you think, Shine? Top. Oh, okay. Why do you think the top? Um, the picture looks more like realistic. All right. I like that. I like that. All right. What do you think? So bottom, top. What do you think? Top. Top. Any particular reason why? Because like the picture, it's like black uh, and like the top is like gray. Okay. All right. Which one do you think? Top. Any particular reason? Um, the bottom right corner, the 100, it's like not as colorful as the bottom right one. Okay. So you think the top one is the real one? Top, top, top. And you think the bottom one? And most everybody here thinks the top. 
Okay. The real dollar bill is the one on the bottom. Yes, Natanya was right. So here's the difference, I'll show you. The one on the top, this is the way Federal Reserve note looks, but a real dollar bill looks like the font, the, the lettering on the one on the bottom. You look like at the very end, the T and the E, you can notice the difference. And the one on the bottom is the one that's right. Similarly, on this one, I put a little red arrow here. So you'll notice on the fake one, the key is not complete and the circle doesn't close all the way. But on the one on the bottom, it does clo close all the way and there's a whole key. And you're thinking, well, how in the world could I have seen that? Well, that's a good question. That'll get into the sermon. But for your effort today, I'm going to give you, well, first, Natanya, since you got it right, you get the first, not hundred, but $10 bill. So it's just one less zero. It's not that big a difference. And since you guys gave it, you're all 10 bucks. There you go. So here we go. Can you give it up for these guys with me? All right, y'all can head back out. Thank you. Did you know that there is an estimated $150 million worth of counterfeit money circulating in the U.S. right now? Like maybe in your pocket? Maybe I just gave them one? So, so how do you know if your money is real or fake? Well, you can go and see a variety of tips that the Secret Service and the Treasury Department give, but I think as we just saw, it's pretty hard to tell. And who studies every single bill you receive to see if the key and circle is complete? But did you know that if you accept a piece of currency in the United States, that money automatically becomes your responsibility? Which means if you accept a fake bill and then you try to deposit it in a bank, the teller tells you that it's counterfeit, then that bill is confiscated and you get nothing in return. Which is obviously not a huge deal if it's just a 10 or a $20 bill. But what if you earn 10 or $20,000 or $100,000, someone gives it to you and you later find out that it's counterfeit. That would be devastating. It's important to know that what we have that's supposed to be valuable is actually the real thing. And I use this illustration because on a much more significant level, there are religions and cults and movements in our city and around the world that are what I will call counterfeit gospels. They claim to be good news. They claim to lead to life. And they're being passed around like they're the real thing when they are not. And one day, people who've accepted these counterfeit gospels are gonna stand before God. And instead of experiencing eternal life, they're gonna experience the exact opposite forever. Which leads to the question, what gospel have you received? Are you holding on to the real thing in your heart? That's a really important question for all of us to answer. 
And it's not just important for us. Think currency. If, if you're given a counterfeit bill, if I have a counterfeit bill, then I pass it on or you pass it on to somebody else, then we're setting somebody else up to be left empty. Like we're responsible for not just for what we accept, but what we pass on. And the stakes in the gospel are far, far higher than money. We're not talking $100 bills. We're not even talking $100 million. We're talking eternal life or eternal death everlasting joy in heaven or everlasting suffering in hell based on believing and passing on the real gospel. Which leads right into our text today. So if you have a Bible, and I hope you or somebody around you does that you can look on with, let me invite you to open me to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, where I want us to see Jesus exposing a counterfeit gospel that religious leaders were passing around to people in his day. And I want to read this text and then give you three questions to ask. You might write them down to help you know if you have accepted a false gospel. And they're not the only questions to ask. Much like with money, there are many ways people can counterfeit the gospel. But these are three critical questions to ask. So we're going to start in verse 35, Mark chapter 12. And if you've been here the last few weeks, you know the setup. But just in case you're visiting today, maybe for the first time, and if that's you, we are so glad you're here. The setup in this story is that it's Tuesday, although some say by this time it's Wednesday of the week, when Jesus is going to be betrayed on Thursday and crucified on Friday by groups of people who were working against him. And those groups have coordinated efforts to pepper him with questions, all with the intent of trapping Jesus and trying to bring him down. But at the end of last week, we read that after Jesus' responses, no one dared ask him any more questions, at which point he decided he was gonna ask a question. That's where we pick up in Mark chapter 12, verse 35. The Bible says, As Jesus taught in the temple, he said, how can the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? David himself and the Holy Spirit declared, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord. So how is he his son? And the great throng heard him gladly. And in his teaching, he said, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses or, and for a pretense make long prayers, they will receive the greater condemnation. So do you see this? How Jesus is warning the people, beware of counterfeits, of a counterfeit gospel being passed on by counterfeit people. So how do we know what's real? Well, look at where Jesus started. He said, how can the scribes, which were the teachers of God's word in that day, how can they say that the Christ is the son of David? Now, when Jesus refers to the Christ here, that's a reference to, you might make a note, to the Messiah the deliverer of God's people, whom God had promised for centuries to one day send. And God had made clear that the Messiah, this deliverer, would come from the line, from the family tree of King David. 
We don't have time today, but we could take a tour right now through the Old Testament and the New Testament. 2 Samuel chapter 7, Isaiah chapter 9, Matthew chapter 1, even Mark chapter 10 and 11 that we've read uh, as we've been walking through the Gospel of Mark. They all show that God's people were waiting for centuries and in Jesus' day for a Messiah who would come from the family line of David. So everybody accepted what Jesus says in Mark 12, 35. How can the scribes say that Christ is the son of David? But then Jesus continues and says, David himself and the Holy Spirit declared. And what, David, what Jesus does here is he quotes, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put my enemies under your feet. Quotes directly from Psalm chapter 110, verse 1. So I'm gonna put it up here on the screen, although it says exactly the same thing. Psalm 110, verse one, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Now what's interesting about this Psalm, it's a Psalm or a song about God's blessing on the King of Israel. And when you see the word Lord, whenever you see the word Lord in your Bible with capital L, then small caps, O-R-D, you know that that is the, Hebrew word Yahweh, it's the name of God that God has revealed himself to among his people, his covenant name and his relationship with the people of Israel. The Lord says to my, but if you'll notice the second time it says Lord, it doesn't have the all caps or small caps O-R-D, it's got lowercase O-R-D. The reason for that is because it's a different word in the Hebrew. The word here is Adonai which sometimes can refer to God, oftentimes does, but at other times, Lord Adonai can refer to a human ruler or Lord or like a king. And that's the picture here in Psalm 110, verse one. This is God, Yahweh, speaking to the king of Israel, saying, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Jesus, God is basically saying to the king of Israel in the Old Testament, I give you authority to lead my people in a way that reflects me, and as you lead my people to walk in my ways, then I will put your enemies under your feet. That's what the rest of Psalm 110 is all about. But back here in Mark chapter 12, Jesus asked the question, if King David himself wrote this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, then that means King David just called the future king of Israel his Lord. In a way that a father would never say about his son or grandson or great-grandson in that day. In other words, Jesus is pointing out that King David wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit about a king who would come from his line who would not just be his son, but would be his Lord, Lord over King David. In other words, this king to come would not just be like any other human being. Yes, he would be a son, but he would also be the Lord of all. This king would be divine. And we know that's exactly what Jesus is saying here because this Psalm, Psalm 110, is quoted over and over again. It's the most quoted psalm in the New Testament, pointing back to the divinity of Jesus, to how Jesus was not just human, 
but God in the flesh. When you get to Acts chapter two, verse 34, the very first Christian sermon, Peter quotes from Psalm 110 to say to the people in his day, you crucified God in the flesh. Jesus is not just the Messiah, he is the Lord over all. The author of Hebrews, you look at Hebrews chapter one, it's an amazing picture of the divinity of Jesus and at the very end of that chapter, the author of Hebrews quotes from Psalm 110, verse one, to say Jesus is superior than every other person, every other angel, because Jesus is God. And this is one of the fundamental teachings of the Bible, that Jesus is not just a man, although he is fully human, but Jesus is also fully God. God in the flesh, which means Jesus is Lord, God over all. So here's the first question we need to ask. If we're gonna discern if we have received a counterfeit gospel, and I'm gonna make it personal to each one of us. So I'm asking you today, do you believe Jesus is Lord? And by Lord, not just meaning a human leader or a good religious teacher, no, do you believe Jesus is Lord, God over all? And this question is so critical because most every other religion and cult in the world answers no to this question. Muslims say, no, we respect Jesus as a prophet, but he was and is not God in the flesh. Atheists or agnostics, of course, as well as Buddhists and a host of other religions. In fact, most people in the world would say, Jesus may have been a good teacher, but he's not God. Hindus would say, maybe Jesus is a God, but he's not Lord, the one true God over all gods. And cults, so Mormons, who call themselves the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or LDS, can speak about Jesus in ways that sound similar to the way we might speak about Jesus. After all, they're the church of Jesus Christ, right? But once you explore what Mormonism teaches, much like a counterfeit bill, you realize that Mormons actually teach that Jesus is the firstborn spirit child of God, the heavenly father and the heavenly mother. That Jesus is a secondary God under God the father. And Jesus does not possess deity in himself. Instead, Jesus progressed to deity in the spirit world. In a similar way, Jehovah's Witnesses, who claim to be witnesses for Jehovah, for Yahweh, they publish all kinds of tracts and booklets that are passed out and look like Christianity. I'm sure you've seen or received some of those. They believe that Jesus is a lesser God who was originally created as the Archangel Michael before the world existed. So I hope you're seeing how important this question is. Do you believe Jesus is a man, just a man, just like other religious teachers? Or do you believe Jesus is Lord, God in the flesh who came to save us from our sins? And along these lines, so here's a simple Illustration I learned from a man named Gregory Kukul that I've used ever since. So the next time a Jehovah's Witness comes to your door, and by the way, they and Mormons will come to your door. They are actively spreading a counterfeit gospel. Or even the next time you're talking with a Muslim who accepts the New Testament. So Muslims believe in the Old Testament, the, in the New Testament, the Injil, 
as authoritative teaching. So just do this. Open the Bible together. Just say, hey, let's look at a verse. John chapter 1, verse 3, which says about Jesus, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And even in a Jehovah's Witnesses edited Bible, John 1, 3 will say the same thing as what we have in our Bible, which is important because their version of the Bible skews John chapter 1, verse 1, about what, Jesus, what it says about Jesus there. But John 1, 3 is the same. So just read that verse or maybe ask them to read it. Then pull out a napkin or a scrap piece of paper. Say something like, okay, let's think together about everything that exists. Maybe let's write that out. Everything that exists. And let's draw a box that represents everything that exists. Let's imagine this box represents everything that exists. And then draw a line down the middle that separates everything that exists into two categories. Say something like, okay, if this box represents everything that exists, let's think about anything that exists that never came into being. So maybe on the left side of the box, write that. All things that never came into being. And then ask the question, so what goes in that, that box? And the Jehovah's Witness or the Muslim would answer what? God, which is the right answer. God alone is eternal and uncreated. So you put God in the left-hand side of that box. Then say, let's think about anything that comes into being. So write that out. All things that came into being, which is basically all created things. So maybe you write that in the box on the right side. All created things. And say, okay, according to John chapter 1, verse 3, all created things were made through Jesus. Without Jesus was not anything made that was made. So basically, ask your friend if, if it makes sense according to this verse, which is exactly what the first part of this verse says. So let's write, created through Jesus, and put an arrow pointing to all created things. All these things, John 1, 3 makes clear, were created through Jesus. So then step back and just summarize. Okay, so everything that exists falls into one of these two categories. The larger box, everything that exists. Left side, things that never came into being. Right side, things that came into being. So everything is either created or not created. Like nothing can be in both sides of this box. Nothing can be created and not created. It's pretty simple. Everything is either in one or the other. Which then leads to the big question. Okay, so which category does Jesus belong in? And maybe you pull out a coin to represent Jesus, like a quarter. You say, okay, here's a coin to represent Jesus. And you give it to your friend and you say, all right, place the coin in the box where Jesus belongs. And with the coin in their hand, their first impulse is gonna be to put the coin in the category of things that came into being on the right side here. The only problem is, John 1, 3 makes really clear all things were created through Jesus. So that can't be Jesus. If Jesus created all things to come into existence, then Jesus must have existed before all created things came into existence. Therefore, Jesus couldn't have been created, so Jesus can't be in the box on the right side. And if he can't be on the box on the right side with created things, then he must go on the left with uncreated things, meaning Jesus is the what? He's the creator. He is God. Just a simple way 
that will uh, make the most of that moment at your door. Instead of just turning them away, give them something to think about straight from the Bible and pray for God to open their eyes to see the beauty of Jesus as Lord. But now back to us. That's the question. Do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is not just a man, but God in the flesh? Not just a good religious teacher, but God himself. If not, then you're believing a counterfeit gospel. But that's not all. Because, well, just think about the book of James in the Bible later points out, even the demons believe this, and they haven't received the gospel. So if you believe Jesus is Lord, that still doesn't mean you have the gospel in your heart. You're now at the same level as demons are. So let's ask a second question. Does your life show Jesus is your Lord? And Jesus continues in this passage in Mark chapter 12. And he says, I'll come back to this in a minute, but beware of these scribes. Not just because of what they teach, but because of how they live. They like to walk around in long robes where they're greeted in the marketplaces, the spiritual leaders they are. They like having the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts while they devour widows' houses. And we're not sure exactly what that means, but it's clearly not good. They take advantage of widows and their possessions, and they make long prayers so that people will think they're spiritual. In other words, they don't live with God or Jesus as their Lord. They live for themselves. Their actions and their motives show that they are the Lord of their lives. Which leads to this question in your life. Do your actions and your motives show that Jesus is your Lord, the king of your life? Do you wake up in the morning and say, Jesus, you are Lord of my life today. I love you, I want you, I wanna follow you. I wanna do everything you call me to. I care about what you think of me, not what others think of me. I live for you as my Lord which then leads you to spend time with Jesus, to read and listen to his word, to obey it, to prioritize gathering with his people for worship, then to scatter and to love and serve others in his name. If we never spend time alone with Jesus, listening to or reading his word, then is Jesus really Lord of our lives? If we... Don't prioritize gathering with the bride and the body of Christ, the church for worship. If that's kind of an option, a maybe in our lives, then is Jesus really the Lord of our lives? If there are areas of our lives where we're living in direct disobedience to God's word with no desire for repentance, then is Jesus really Lord of our lives? And obviously none of us is perfect, only Jesus is. That's the point, though. If Jesus is Lord of our lives, then we are wanting to become more and more like him. We're not content with the areas of our lives that don't look like him. And these scribes were hypocrites. 
for whom God was clearly not the Lord of their lives. And don't miss it. They were actually using religion as a cover-up for living how they wanted to live. Is that possible? Is it possible for people, even professing Christians, to use religion, church activity in the past or the present, as a cover-up for living how you actually want to live? Is that you? Do you use religion as a cover-up for living how you want to live? Or is Jesus truly Lord of your life in a way that's evident in every facet of your life? Which leads to one last question I would ask. Though it's not the main point of this, this text, it certainly excuse me, flows from it. <clears throat> Question number three. Do you tell others Jesus is Lord? Do you tell others? Jesus warned the crowds to beware these scribes because they were not only counterfeits themselves, they were leading others into empty religion. Kind of like having a counterfeit bill and passing it on to others in ways that ultimately leave them empty. Kind of like people I mentioned in cults who are passionately doing that, going door to door with a counterfeit gospel. What does that say about you and me who have the real thing? And they've shared that counterfeit gospel with everybody in our neighborhood. What have we done with the real gospel? If you know Jesus is Lord, that he's God in the flesh who came to save us from our sins, and if you're following Jesus as Lord over your life, then you tell others about him, right? You're passionate about doing this, right? Because you know he's not just Lord over you, he's Lord over all. Surely, we can't be around people and know that their eternity hinges on confessing Jesus as Lord and say nothing to them about Jesus as Lord. People who know Jesus is Lord and follow Jesus as Lord tell others Jesus is Lord. So I want to celebrate today a wife in our church family who has faithfully done this. I'm gonna invite Wynn to come out here and I'm gonna let him tell his whole story, but I'll just say that for 23 years, Wynn's wife, you, has been praying and working for this day that we're celebrating today. So listen to Wynn's testimony with me. Good morning, everyone. My name is Gwen. I was born on, on November 10, 1978, into a Catholic family. Growing up, all I knew was to go to church every Sunday so I can check off my to-do list and follow the Ten Commitments. It was 23 years ago
that I met my Christian wife. I went to a Christian Baptist church with my wife and family. As I listened and read the gospel, but I never have a true fellowship with God. Even though God have knocked on my heart many times, but I passed. Because my life as a sinner seemed far more enjoyable. I was only out looking for the next big things. I lied to myself that I could control my gambling addiction. I lied to God, to my family. I was going to church every Sunday, but I really not understanding what it meant to be a Christian. I have no fellowship with God. My spirit felt dead. And my sin kept me away from God. I know my wife, she had been praying for me to have fellowship with God for the past 23 years. I lied to myself that I was doing great. And I grew deeper in the darkness and I finally down on my knee. It was April 6, 23. I found myself so lost. Felt like I was on the edge of a cliff about to tip over. I felt helpless and sinful with no way out. I cry out, God, please help me. I surrender my life to you. Our God is loving and faithful. And I cry out to God to forgive my sin and give me the power to repent the temptation. He knocked on my heart again and let me know he was always here. I felt peace and happiness in my heart. I know God is with me. God promised in Revelation 3.20, see I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and open the doors, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. In John 8:12, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follow me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Now my heart fills with joy and happiness. I know I still have so much work to do as a Christian, and I may fail 
from time to time. But I'm not afraid of the sin and the temptation around me because I know God will give me the power to repent. Today, I confess in the church and to the world that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. Thank you. Well, Gwen, praise God for his salvation in your life. And it's my privilege, my brother, to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in his death. Raised to walk in a newness of life. Thank you. So what about you? Do you believe Jesus is Lord? Does your life show Jesus is your Lord? And do you tell others Jesus is Lord? I want to give you just a couple minutes to reflect prayerfully on those questions just between you and God. Just ask those questions in your life and as God is speaking to your heart, I encourage you to respond to him. And then I'll lead us in prayer in a moment. But just spend the next couple minutes reflecting on those three questions in your life. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, just in continuing in prayerful reflection. If you do not know or are not following Jesus as Lord, then I want to invite you today to put your faith in Jesus as Lord. Maybe for the first time, or others of you who maybe today God is speaking to your heart and convicting you that yes, you know Jesus is Lord, but you have wandered from him or there's some clear areas in your life where you're not following him as Lord or he's calling you back to himself. I just want to invite you to express that to God right now. Either for the first time or for the first time in a while or in a way that's needed for the first time in a while, just to say to God, today I confess, either for the first time or again in a fresh way, that Jesus is Lord, God who came to save me from my sins. Today, either for the first time or as I come back to faith, I trust in Jesus as the Savior and Lord of my life. 
Just know that whether for the first time or for the first time in a long time, God's arms are open wide to you. He loves you so much. You don't have to come before him with head held low. He lifts your head. And by faith in Jesus, you are his child. And he welcomes you in. As we think about kids in our worship gathering, just to see ourselves as children of God. Either being brought into his family by faith in Jesus for the first time today, or in needed ways being restored to what it's like to be around his table. God, we praise you for your love for us. We praise you for not just sending a prophet or a teacher, but for coming yourself to us to pay the price for our sin against you. Jesus, we praise you for your death on the cross. We praise you for your resurrection from the grave. We praise you as the risen and exalted Lord over all. And we pray that you would help us to follow you as Lord of our lives, to trust you amidst whatever's going on in our lives, to trust you as Lord over our lives. And God, help us to faithfully tell others that you are Lord. Help us not to be silent with the greatest news in the world, that Jesus has died on a cross, risen from the grave. He's Lord over all, and he will save all who trust in him. God, help us to proclaim Jesus as Lord to the people around us, in our homes, our neighborhoods, workplaces, schools, in our city, to the ends of the earth. I pray that you would help us to rejoice in the real gospel and to pass it on faithfully. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen.